to uh, just thank all of you as uh, for your uh, generosity in your faithful giving to City Church as, you know, over the past couple of weeks, i getting more and more kind of familiar with all the different things that happen around here at the church. And you see all the different ways in which City Church is... Uh, um, is making itself to be a blessing to people, uh, people that are within our church family here, whether it's children and youth and, and in other ministries and in other ways in which you are uh, impacting your neighborhoods and where you are. Uh, our desire is that our church would be a church that is, uh, God is using to make an impact within our community. I was, you know, this week as I've been thinking about, you know, our, our church and kind of preparing for this weekend and, and uh, just kind of praying, uh, one of the things I've been struck by is, you know, that uh, there's something about our name that says something about who we are, right? And so we are City Church, which inherent in that is the idea that uh, we, part of who we are is that we exist for our city, Right, that we don't simply exist for ourselves. Right, that this isn't a kumbaya community of just you know gather around together you know once a week or you know in a small group or whatever we do simply so that we can kind of gather around the fire and look at one another and have those moments as good as it is to be connected and to be in relationship. But our name is a reminder to ourselves that we exist for our city. How about this? That God so loves Albuquerque that he brought you here. That he planted you in the neighborhood where you live because he loves your neighbors. That he gave you a job where you work because he loves your co-workers. That he placed you within your group of friends wherever you socialize and have fun. That part of the reason, if there are some lost people that are there, part of the reason why your circle of influence, your, your social sphere is what it is, is because God so loves those men and women that he placed you in their midst so that you could be a light that shines in the darkness and a voice for the gospel because God loves Albuquerque. And when we give generously and faithfully, it allows us as a church to, to do all the things that God places in our hearts. And so I just want to thank you for being a generous and, uh, and faithful church. Amen. I want to encourage you, as I was just you know, sharing there, uh, to um, in your week as you're going about your daily lives and your business and you're interacting with the people that are in your world, whether that's at work or in your neighborhood, just keep in mind that God is with you because he has anointed you to be a light that shines in someone else's darkness and a voice for the gospel that can illuminate their eyes to the goodness and the greatness of Jesus Christ. Each and every one of you have a story of how Jesus has transformed your world and your life. Oh, what a blessing that can be to other people in your world, in your neck of the woods, to taste and see that the Lord is good in the same way that you have. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So last week, uh, we began a four-week series. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. And we're looking for some wisdom and some revelation to help us to run our race free and finish strong. Uh, just by way of quick review, 
as, you know, previously on <laughs> unencumbered. Right. This is where you look for the button. How do I skip the recap? Right? There's no, there's no skip button here. You're getting it. So uh, this passage that we're looking at here in Hebrews chapter 12, it uses the imagery of a race to describe our faith. I think that we can all relate to that. I shared a story uh, of uh, when Maurice and I ran the Toronto uh, Harborfront Marathon and there was a young woman who was a uh, firefighter for the Toronto Fire Department and how she ran the race in her full gear. That's actually her. That's not just a made-up picture. That's her running in that particular uh, race there. And... Um, and so we talked about how, um, how much difficult it is. We all get when we see that picture, when we think about that, how much more difficult it is to run a marathon when you've got all that extra clothing and all that extra weight on you. We understand how much more difficult that makes it. And yet we also uh, discussed how so many of us in our lives, in our daily lives, we carry around with us a lot of weight and a lot of baggage that makes it harder for you and I to run our race free and to finish strong. And yet that's what God has called us to. If God has set us on a path and if he has called us to run a race, then you have to know that his will, his desire is that we would run that race free so that we can finish strong, right? That's God's will for us. So our big idea for this whole series, what I hope you walk away with, if you get one thing out of four weeks, I hope we get a little more than that, but if we only get one thing out of four weeks, I pray it is that we would get that God is faithful. And because he is faithful, we throw off our weights and we throw off our sin, focusing our eyes on Jesus because God is faithful. Amen? So last week, we, uh, we, when we were talking about this idea that God is faithful, it's the foundation of what we're talking about, I shared that when we say that God is faithful, what we mean is that God will be faithful to his character, that God will be faithful to his word, and that God will be faithful to his purposes and to his promises. This is so important because this is the foundation upon which we will build the rest of our series. The rest of what we're going to discuss over the next three weeks is built on this foundation that God is faithful. So why do we throw off our weights? Because God is faithful. Why do we throw off our sin? Because God is faithful. Why do we focus our attention on Jesus? Because God is faithful. There's so much in our world, right, that will uh, like try to posture and battle and fight for our attention. Am I right? There's so many. We live in a world that is just so full of distractions that if we're going to focus our attention on Jesus, we need to be intentional about doing so. And when we, and the reason why we shift our eyes from all the different kinds of distractions and focus our attention on Jesus is because it is, because we have come to experience and we believe that God is faithful. All those other things 
that will be distractions, all those other things upon which we will place our focus and our attention, ultimately they will let us down. But Jesus will be faithful all the time. And so this is the foundation upon which we are building this whole series that God is faithful. So today, we're going to focus on the second phrase in this passage, which invites and encourages us to throw off the things that weigh us down and keep us back. Let's pray. Father, we're just so thankful today for your presence here in our midst. We're thankful that every time that your church family gathers to worship and to uh, encounter your presence, that you're so good and faithful to show up every time. And so right now, as we open up your word, we look into it so that we can know you more and so that we can know how to be the people that you are calling us to be, that we may run our race free and finish strong. We ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, that your word right now would fall on good soil, bearing good fruit in our lives. Teach us your ways, that we may know you, and that we may walk according to your word. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Let me give you a little context that I was planning on providing last week, but we had a busier service, and so uh, I just held that over for today. So Hebrews is a letter. It's written by an unknown author. It's one of the only books in the Bible that we're not sure who, uh, who wrote it. And uh, it's written to a community of Jewish Christians who were encountering some difficulties and persecution as a result of their faith. It was probably written in the period leading up to the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, so a little bit before AD 70. Now, of course, the, um, the, the context is that uh, the first century people who, to whom the, the, the scriptures were written were living in the Roman Empire at the time. Rome, of course, was a pagan empire, and as such, it demanded, Rome demanded worship and allegiance to, uh, to the Caesar. And uh, the common phrase of the day was that Caesar is Lord. That was the common phrase of the day, that Caesar is Lord. Now, uh, most of the nations that were conquered by the Roman Empire, they were also pagan. And so it wasn't like a foreign or even distasteful idea of worshiping pagan gods or of pledging allegiance to a Caesar or to, uh, or to a god. But to the Jewish people, of course, this was a non-starter. And so they would always resist the pressure from the Roman Empire to worship their gods or to pledge allegiance to their Caesar. And because Rome wanted peace in all the different corners of the empire that it was ruling over, it made a provision for the Jewish people that they were not required to, um, to worship the Roman gods, nor were they required to pledge allegiance to Caesar by affirming the words, Caesar is, is Lord. And so the first Christians, they kind of enjoyed the protection of that policy because the, 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 the Christian movement started out as a, uh, as a Jewish, Jewish movement. But as the, uh, a couple things happened, as the movement grew, more and more Gentiles were added into the faith and added into the, uh, added into the church. And as such, uh, this new movement started to become a little less uh, Jewish. And uh, in addition to that, 
uh, some Christians started to be expelled from their local Jewish synagogue uh, because of their insistence that Jesus is the Messiah. And so these Jewish Christians to whom the author of Hebrews is writing, they were facing some opposition and some pressure and even some persecution from uh, multiple sides, at least two sides. One side from kind of the political arena was that they were feeling the pressure to uh, join with the Roman culture in the worship of pagan gods and in giving their allegiance to Caesar. And at the same time, they were also feeling some pressure from their, uh, uh, from their, their, the, from the Jewish quarter, from the Jewish section to become or to stay more, you know, to stay Jewish, keep that Jewish distinctives. And let's not worry so much. Like, let's kind of, don't be so insistent about the Jesus is Messiah, you know, bit, um, so that we can continue to enjoy the protections that have been afforded to us by that. And so they were experiencing pressure from different angles. We can kind of relate to that, can't we? Right? Sometimes we can feel like we've got pressure coming from different sides and different angles. And this is the type of, uh, this is the, the kind of community that is experiencing this kind of pressure from multiple angles that the author of Hebrews is writing to. And so I think as Christians today, we can relate to some of these pressures. It may sometimes look a little bit different, but sometimes we feel like it's coming at us from multiple angles. And so Hebrews is a, a letter that we can really relate to. So our key passage that we're looking at here, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, the author of Hebrews writes, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart so we're going to focus on this phrase today throw off your weights throw off your weights in the new english translation uh, they word it this way we must get rid of every weight we must get rid of every weight. I love this because in the, uh, in, in the Greek, and the original manuscripts, this comes across as an imperative, not as a choice. It's not expressed like, if you feel like it, if it seems okay to you, if you want to, you know, maybe lighten your load a little bit. But hey, if, if you don't want to do that, then that's up to you. No, the author is wording it like this is an imperative. We must do this. We must throw off our weights. If we are going to run this race free, and if we're going to finish strong, then we must throw off our weights. We can't carry anything with us that could slow us down. We can't carry anything with us uh, that will hinder us. You know, 
Uh, one of the things that I enjoy uh, doing in my spare time is I, I enjoy cycling. A number of years ago, I uh, bought a road bike and, and um, yeah, and started to cycle. And one of the things that I notice as you start looking at different types of equipment is you notice how much weight matters in the cycling community, right? And so it's one of the reasons why if you watch, I think right now the Tour de France is the Tour de France is on and if you watch some of the replays of that or if you watch it, one of the things that you notice about uh, a, about a professional cyclist is they don't look like most you and I. Yeah. <laughs> right? Is most of them they are just like 0.0% body fat. They are lean and they carry nothing extra with them in their own bodies, right? In the clothing that they wear, they're carrying nothing with them. But one of the things I noticed when I started getting into cycling is that, you know, you could buy all of these extra parts. So you buy your bike and if you want a really light bike, then you'll pay more money because of the, uh, the materials that they use to make it. But then I noticed that like every extra thing that you might buy, if you wanted to buy a new handlebar or if you wanted to buy a new seat, uh, you know, if you wanted to buy new wheels, that everything would, they would always talk about how much it weighs. Because every little ounce matters if you're serious about, you know, beating a personal time or winning a race, whatever. It didn't matter so much to me because I was just looking to go out and you know, get some miles in out on a country road and not have a heart attack while I was doing it. And, uh, and so it didn't matter so much to me. But I discovered that you could buy water bottle holders that normally made, were made out of like plastic. They weigh like a couple of ounces, just the holder. I don't mean the bottle, just the holder. But people would spend money to buy a water bottle holder that was made out of carbon fiber material in order to save a couple of grams on the weight of their whole bike. Why? Because weight matters when you're in the race, right? And so uh, this passage here, the author of Hebrews is saying, we must get rid of not some weights, not a couple of weights, not one or two things, but we must be willing to get rid of every weight. Anything and everything in my life and in your life that will add weight to our journey. Because God is calling us to run our race free from weights so that we can finish strong. So what are some of the weights that we carry here we're talking about the burdens of life that weigh on our inner person or our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. Some examples, this isn't an exhaustive list, but probably most of the most common that we experience going about our lives. Uh, some examples are hurts and wounds. These could be inflicted by others or they could be self-inflicted, which is actually an important note. Because sometimes if we feel like we are carrying a hurt or a wound that is self-inflicted, sometimes we also carry a guilt that makes us feel like we don't, almost like we don't deserve to let go of it or to um, release that because somehow I did this to myself. Listen, God's not a discriminator of where that weight that you carry came from. He wants to take it from you. 
right? So hurts and wounds, disappointment and discouragement. These can be from failures, repeated failures, or simply struggles that have simply lasted for too long. How many of you have ever felt like, I know I have, that I've had a particular thing that I've been battling with, that I've been struggling with, and I've, I've kind of fell on my face over and over again, and you begin to just get weary from the, the repetition of the struggle, right? So disappointment, discouragement, Fear and worry are, uh, is an example. So fear and worry, relational conflict, loneliness, uh, death, loss, and grief, injustice, all of these things are common burdens that we carry. They are weights that add something to our journey that we carry with us. If we're living our lives carrying these burdens, then eventually it becomes too much to bear and we'll be unable to run our race free and to finish strong. But there's good news. There's good news here today. The good news is that Jesus takes our burdens. That's the good news, that he takes our burdens. Watch this in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Jesus says to the crowd, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. Not some of you, not a few of you, not a couple of you. He didn't point people out from the crowd and say, I'll take your burden, but not yours. I'll take yours, but you, I'm not sure you're ready for it. No, he gave an open invitation to a crowd. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. Not over easy. It's a different kind of yoke. But my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Matthew, that first verse, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28, in the New Living Translation, says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And I will give you rest. Couple of thoughts here. The first is this, that we throw off our weights because Jesus offers us rest and release. We throw off our weights because Jesus offers us rest and release. He's offering you today rest for your soul. That is rest at the very deepest level. He says, I will relieve your burdens and you will find rest in me. The promise of Jesus here is not necessarily that he will change all of our circumstances and that nothing bad will ever happen to you again. We know that that's not true. However, what Jesus does promise is that no matter what you may be going through in your life, your soul can find rest in him. Listen, rest is not about your circumstances. It's about the state of your soul, of your inner person. There's this great example in Matthew chapter 23, uh, verses 23 to 27, where uh, Jesus and the disciples, they're in a boat, and they're on the Sea of, of Galilee, and there's a heavy storm that comes, and uh, the, Matthew draws attention to this fact, that the disciples are freaking out because they think they're about to die, and Jesus is in the back having a nap. They're all experiencing the same storm. 
They're all experiencing the same circumstances. But one of them is having a nap while everybody else, everybody else is freaking out. And so eventually the disciples, they go and they wake Jesus and they say to him, do you not care that we're all about to die here? And so the scriptures say that Jesus gets up and he spoke to the storm and he said, you know, quiet, be still, and that the storm subsided and that everything calmed down. And the disciples said, what kind of man is this? Who is this that he speaks to the storm and the winds and the waves, even the weather obeys him? A number of years ago, I heard a message by uh, Judah Smith and he raised a question that I thought was, it, it really struck me. And he said, you know, he goes, I think that they should have been asking what kind of person sleeps in the middle of a storm like this? Listen, here's what I want you to see today. Whatever storm you might be experiencing in your own life, Jesus really wants to come to you today and he wants to speak to the storm that's going on inside of you. It's not really about the storm that's going on in your circumstances. There's a storm that's happening maybe in your family or there's a storm that's happening at work or a storm that's happening in your finances or whatever. And that's not to say that those don't matter. But it is to say that Jesus wants to come and he wants to speak to the storm that's in your heart. He wants to speak to the storm that's in your soul. And he comes to speak peace to that. He comes to speak quiet to that. He comes to bring rest to that. Now listen, here's the deal. Is that when this happens... When you hear that sweet voice of the Spirit speak to your heart, peace to your storm, then you will, you give over the weights, the things that are a burden to your heart, then you will experience the kind of inner peace and you will understand how a man can have a nap in the middle of a storm that's going on all around them. Because the key is, the answer to the question, how does somebody have a nap in the middle of a storm? It is to say that the storm may be going on all around, but the storm has no place in here. The storm has no control over what's going on in your soul. Because Jesus has spoken peace to that storm. And because you are full of peace on the inside, you are free from the burden of worry and of fear and of doubt and of anxiety and of uncertainty and all the things that are going on out there. Somehow you have a peace in the midst of it because the storm that Jesus has spoken to is the one that was within and peace has come. And all of a sudden now everything's all swirling. And you're okay. And your coworkers, they're, they're all freaking out about the new policies of the new boss or the cutbacks in the budgets or the, the pressure that comes from deadlines and, and, um, and goals and whatever. And you're just, you're okay. And they're asking you, 
what's the matter with you? <laughs> Do you not care that we're all about to come under the wrath of, you know, this, or we're about, you know, we're, this is happening? Do you, don't you care about that? Yeah, I, I do care about it. But I don't know. There's this, it doesn't, it doesn't control me. Right? It doesn't control me. On the inside, I have a peace that passes understanding. On the inside, I have a joy that is deep in my heart. Yeah, I get it. It's hard and it's, it's, it's pressure. But, the storm in, but that storm has no control over what's going on inside of me. Amen? The second thing I want you to see is that we throw off our weights because Jesus is a kind and gracious king. We throw off our weights because he is a kind and a gracious king. He says in Matthew 11, he says, I am gentle and humble in heart. I am gentle and humble in heart. In Isaiah 42, verse 3, Isaiah, speaking of the Messiah, says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that Jesus is a kind and a gentle king. Because I know that there's been moments in my life where I would have come at me with a bat. But Jesus comes at me with gentleness and kindness. And that doesn't mean that he lets us off the hook. In fact, the scripture says that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. There's something about that kindness that doesn't make me feel like I'm just free to do whatever I want whenever I want. There's something about that kindness that draws me in to a place where I recognize that Jesus is kind and he is king. And that requires my surrender to him. And something about that feels right because he has shown himself to be so kind to us. And so we throw off our weights because he is a, a kind and a gracious king. Let me uh, finish today by giving you three, three thoughts on throwing off our weights. What do we do in response to this? How do we throw off the weights that we are carrying? The first thing we see here is that we need to come to Jesus. We need to come to Jesus. More than anything, relief, rest, peace are found in his presence. They're found in him. They're found in him. So we need to get rid of our pride and our self-sufficiency. I don't know about you, but sometimes I find myself being the type of man that when I feel the burden, when I feel the pressure, when I feel the difficulty, I want to bear it. I want to, I want to show myself strong. I want, to, I want to prove that I know what I'm doing. I want to prove that I have what it takes. I want to prove that I'm strong enough to stand up underneath the weight of whatever I might be feeling. And there's this thing that rises up in me that doesn't want to acknowledge. I need help. There's this thing inside of me that doesn't want to acknowledge. I don't know if I could do this on my own. There's this thing inside me that doesn't want to admit maybe this is too much for me to bear. And maybe I need to figure out a way to let it go. I need to let go of that. If I'm going to come to Jesus, I need to let go of my pride. I need to let go of my self-sufficiency. 
It's okay to admit that the burden is too much for you to bear on your own. We live in a culture that despises the idea of admitting that we are weak. We despise it. And we refuse to admit that we are weak at times or all the time. We refuse to admit that we are weak. We don't want to see ourselves in that way. We certainly don't want other people to possibly think that we might be weak. And yet, weakness is what is required to come before Jesus, to stand before him. To receive what he has for us requires that I be willing to admit that I am weak, but he is strong. And that what this moment requires in my life, what this moment requires in our race is not that I be strong in myself, but that we be strong in him. That my strength doesn't come from my own self-determination, but it comes from his presence being with us from his spirit being at work in us. I'm not strong because I've made myself strong. I'm strong because his presence has made me strong. I'm able to run this race, not because I'm so good, not because I'm so great, but because he's so good and because he's so great. And so if we're going to throw off our weights, then we need to come to Jesus. There's no formula for this, right? I, I'd love to give you a couple of steps here, but there really isn't a formula. It is simply this. We need Jesus. It's that thing that rises up in your heart that says we need Jesus. And that might look a little different for you than it looks for me, but I don't have any other thing to offer than to say we need need Jesus. And so if you're finding yourself weary and carrying the burden of the hurts and the wounds, the fears and the worries, the disappointments, the discouragement, etc., etc., what I have to offer you today is we need Jesus. Come to him. Run to him. Look to him. He's a kind and a gracious king. And he's waiting to receive your burden. So come to Jesus. The second thing is, trust Jesus. Trust him. You have to trust Jesus enough to let go of your burdens. It really does require trust. Let me just use one example in the area of, say, hurts and wounds. We could use a lot of them. But I think this is one that we all relate to. Is when you've been hurt or you've been wounded by somebody, we all resist the idea of forgiving people, right? And one of the reasons why we resist that is because we want that person to pay for what they have done to us. That's a natural instinct that is within each and every one of us. And yet, it, when we insist on that, what we demonstrate is that we're not willing yet to trust Jesus with that thing. I can't let go of that hurt. I can't let go of that wound. I can't let go of that wrong that has been done to me. I'm not yet willing to hand it over to Jesus. I'm not sure if I trust that he will do the right thing with that. 
Sometimes we're afraid that Jesus is going to give more mercy to that person than we want to give them. Am I right? I have felt that way. I'm not sure if I want to do that because I think I'm, I'm a little concerned that Jesus might be a little too merciful. What I've discovered is that I love Jesus' mercy and I want all of it. I'm just unsure if I want other people to have, have the same amount that I get. I, I, I want all of it. I'll take as much of it as, as I can get. But it comes down to, do I really trust that if I give this thing over to Jesus, that he will do the right thing with it? You know, there's this moment where Abraham is walking with, with God. God visits Abraham, and they go for a walk. And the Lord says to himself, this is right before uh, judgment falls on Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord says to himself, am, am I going to, since I've made this covenant with Abraham, and I've determined that I'm going to do all this stuff through his family. Am I going to withhold from him what I'm about to do? And so Abraham, or so the Lord essentially tells Abraham what is about to befall the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Abraham and God start to have this conversation about what are the parameters here of your kind of your, your mercy and what's going to happen here. And Abraham makes this statement. He essentially asks this somewhat rhetorical question. And he says, will not the Lord Almighty do what is just. Asking the question essentially, is God going to do what is right or isn't he? What's the answer? The answer is yes. We struggle with that question in the same way that Abraham wondered in that moment. And we find ourselves all the time, we, we find ourselves in a moment that says, can I trust God with this thing? Will he do what is right? Now, right isn't always what Jeff would do, right? Right's not always my way. In fact, oftentimes my way is not what is right. But here's what I've learned. Will God Almighty, will the Lord of heaven and earth do what is just? He will, all the time, every time. Whatever it is that I could give to him, I will trust that I can trust that he will do what is right with that thing that we give him. So we need to trust Jesus. You have to trust him in order to receive his healing. You have to trust him so that you can give that thing over, which then opens the door for you to be able to receive his healing. It's kind of like if you can picture in your mind, you know, something that you, you know, something that's in your hands. And it's like the Lord has something that he wants to give you, but you can't, like your hands can only be so full. And if your hands are full of all the burdens and the hurts and the wounds and the fears and the worries and the discouragements and the disappointments and the anxieties, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, how do I receive that thing that God has for me? I can't, my hands are already full. I can't take on that thing. And so we have to be willing to let it go. We got to hand it over. We got to give it over to Jesus so that we can receive the thing that he has for us, which is to say he wants to release healing to your soul. It's his desire for you. You got to let it go. So we trust him. We have to embrace the truth that God's heart towards you is for your good. Listen, some of us struggle to believe this. God's desire for you is for your good. He wants to restore you to wholeness. He wants your life to flourish in every way that it can. 
He wants to set you free from every fear, from every insecurity, from every worry, from every doubt. He wants you to enjoy healthy and life-giving relationships. He wants you to be full of hope and confidence in his promises. So we need to come to Jesus. We need to trust Jesus. And finally, we need to learn the ways of Jesus. We need to learn the ways of Jesus. In Jeremiah 6, verse 16, the prophet says, Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus' yoke is the only one that is easy and light. This image of a yoke was uh, something that they used in agriculture and in farming, and they would set it over the, the shoulders of a, of a bull. Sometimes it was two bulls, and, and they would be beside each other. And uh, the point was, was it was meant uh, to both attach, like, the, the burden of the, like, the plow um, behind it, and it was ordered to give the person who was steering the plow the ability to kind of point that bull in a direction and to keep them on that proper direction. And so there was a bit of a weight that came on with that yoke, and there was some direction that came with that yoke. And so Jesus here, using that, there can be a, even a bit of a double meaning here, because in the Jewish culture in, uh, uh, in, first, in, in the first century, sometimes they would refer to a rabbi's teaching as a yoke. And so there's kind of this double meaning here where Jesus comes and he says, my yoke, my teaching, my ways, right? They are easy and they are light. So Jesus' yoke is the only one, this is what I want us to see, it is the only one that is easy and light. All other things that we might turn to in life, all of them, they will if, if not now, eventually they will become burdensome. Eventually they'll become heavy. We, can, we don't need to list them here, but there's all kinds of things that we turn to when we feel the weight, when we feel under pressure, when we feel discouraged. We all know what those things are. And we all know what they are for us. That we turn to these things, whether it's a pleasure thing or whether it's a substance thing or whether it's a toxic relationship thing or whether it's a I'm you know bury myself in entertainment or whatever sometimes they're not they're not even bad things they're just good things that we've made to be the ultimate thing we know what they all are but if they become the thing for us the yoke that we allow to be placed upon us hoping hoping that it will meet my needs, hoping that it will get me to where I want to go, hoping that it will give me relief. Listen, it will be a burden. It will prove to be heavy and to be a weight. Only Jesus' yoke, only his way proves to be easy and light. And so every day presents us with a choice, doesn't it? Every day presents us with a choice. We get up every single morning, and we have a choice as to how we're going to live today. Am I going to live 
is today going to be a day where I live in the way of Jesus? Or is today going to be a day where I live in a different way? Live according to another way. According to another idea. Right? And so every day presents us with that choice. And so my prayer for you today is may you come to Jesus. May you come to him. May you run to him. May you go to him to release your burdens, to release your weight. May you trust him that he is a good and a kind king. And that whatever it is that you have been carrying, whatever has been a weight and a burden to you, you can trust him with it. And may you choose every day to say, today I will follow the way of Jesus. I will follow his way. I will receive and embrace his yoke, his ways. Because it's the only way that is light. It is the only way that is easy. Jesus' heart for you today. I know that there are some of us here today, perhaps many of us here today, that you are feeling the weight of it. It doesn't matter whether anybody else would think that the weight that you're carrying is a big deal or not a big deal. This is about you. And I think there's some of us here today that are feeling the weight of whatever is going on in your life. And I believe that the Spirit of God is here today in order, because Jesus is here, to relieve you of that burden. And so I want to take a moment and give us a little bit of space for us to respond to this word today and to say, I'm going to come to Jesus so that I can give my weights and my burdens over to him so that I can receive rest for my soul so that I can hear his voice speak to my heart peace to the storm my prayer is that when we walk out of here today that there is irregardless of whatever this moment here isn't going to change your circumstances but this moment here can change your soul in a way that is life transforming. Would you close your eyes, bow your hearts. Father, I pray right now in this moment that you would convince us not only of your presence here, but of your desire in this moment to relieve us of our burdens and of our weights. To speak peace to the storms that whirl about, whirl around in our hearts and in our minds. And I ask Holy Spirit that you would release grace in this room and to our hearts. That we would not allow this moment to pass us by. But we open our hearts to you. We open our lives to you. We trust you today, Jesus. Because you are a kind and a gracious king. And we know that we can trust you with our burdens. I want to ask you today to do something that's, uh, you know, maybe a little bold and, 
And if you're here today and you are feeling the weight of burdens today, we want to take a bit of time and just allow God to do what only He can do in our hearts. And we would love to pray for you if that's something that, that you want. I know sometimes we have a response where we may just ask people to close their eyes or perhaps we might ask them to lift, ask someone to lift their hands. And, and it's not always about getting on your feet and coming up to a front or something like that. But at the same time, I do think it's important in moments to stand up and to move somewhere as an outward expression of an inward determination. And so, and I don't mean this in any way to be, if um, I'm not trying to get a particular response, but I do want to encourage you because I, I really do think that the Spirit of God is here in order to do something of significance in a number of hearts and lives today. And I don't, I just don't want us to miss that moment. And so, um, you know, if you don't, please, you don't have to, but I want to ask you that if you're here today and you are just feeling the weight of life, of hurts, wounds, disappointments, discouragements, fears, worries, anxieties, loss and grief, whatever it is, um, would you, would you be willing to stand up? Come on up here. Just come to the front. Come to Jesus. And we're going to take a moment here together and just pray. And ask that in this moment that we would encounter God's presence in a way that would relieve us of our burdens and would speak peace to the storm. So if that's you today, just stand up right now. Come on up here. And we're just going to take a moment and pray together. you're coming on up to pray just come on up across the front here and just face face me you don't have to come right up to one of the prayer team yet just come on up here thank you Lord thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus the rest of you church would you stand with me I want to just take a moment those of you who are up here to pray, those of you that are at your seat, can we take a moment and just stretch our hands to the Lord? And in this moment, just cry out to Him and say, Lord, here I am. I come to you. I bring to you, I bring to you my burdens. I bring to you the things that are weighing upon my heart, that are weighing upon my mind. I give them to you. Just come on, in your own words, in your own way, just call out to the Lord and just say, Lord, right now I'm coming to you to release to you my burdens to release to you the things that have been a weight to me. I give them over to you so that I may receive your healing, so that I may receive your peace to my soul, that peace that passes understanding, the joy that is in my heart. Just call out to him right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we cry out to you, O God. Oh, we call out to you, O Lord. Oh, we call out to you, O God. 
presence oh God oh we run to your presence oh Lord oh we need you we need you oh God oh receive our burdens Lord receive our weights oh we give them to you Lord we give them to you oh you're a good and gracious God oh we give them to you oh Lord Oh, we give them to you, O Lord. Oh, we give them to you, O God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, the worship, the worship team is going to lead us in one more song as we close our service today. And so as we sing and as we worship, uh, let's make this a moment where we encounter God's presence. We release our burdens to Him and we allow Him to speak peace to the storm within. Amen. God bless you, church.
day when my strength is failing the end draws near and my time has come still my soul sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then Chase my shame away